When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Sounds Good with Brandon Harvey. I'm Brandon Harvey, and this is the podcast where every single Monday, I sit down with an inspiring person and talk about happiness, overcoming struggles, and living a life of intentionality and wonder. This week, I'm so excited to share a conversation with Grace Tyson. Grace is a talented musician who also runs a nonprofit that uses music to fight human trafficking. It's called Songs Against Slavery. It's amazing that she's able to juggle both of these incredible ambitions, but it's even more impressive when you learn that Grace battles chronic pain every single day. In this conversation, we talk about ambitiously pursuing dreams and social justice while also fighting to overcome difficult physical and mental health. I love this conversation with Grace. So let's just jump straight into it. All right, I am in the studio with Grace Tyson. What's up? Grace, welcome to Sounds Good. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is so fun. It is. It's a dream come true. You live here in Nashville. Yes. You and I bumped into each other several times over the course of, what, the last like two years, year and a half? That, yeah. Because we year both and a half. moved to town oh, almost yeah. a- around the same yeah, time, yeah, yeah. right? Yep. Because I got coffee with Sammy when we she was a few months here and then oh, we moved here. There we so. go. That's awesome. And what inspired the, you said we, who is we? I always say that and everyone asks if I'm married. I'm like, no, sorry. (laughs) My co-founder of Songs Against Slavery, Lauren, we are roommates and then we work together. So when I say we, it's meaning us two. Amazing. So it sometimes feels like a marriage because we're (laughs) sometimes together more than most married couples just with traveling and everything. But it's been awesome. That's really but cool. But it was Allie Fallon who connected me to Sammy. So oh, that's I got to great. Go get coffee with your wife. She's the best. No, she's so amazing. I love her. So what inspired you and your roommate slash business partner <laughs> to move to Nashville? I don't know this story at all. So back in 2011, I was a freshman in college at Hope College, which is a small liberal arts school in Holland, Michigan. And up until that point, I was pre-med. And wasn't loving it. And something my dad has taught me and my four other siblings is do something you love and you'll Mm. never work a day in your life. Wait, what does your dad do? He's an anesthesiologist of all things. And does he love that? He loves his job. Every single day he wakes up and he says, the day that I wake up and I'm not nervous to go to work is the day I know I'll need to quit. Which is cool because... I was nervous before this podcast. Oh, for sure. And it's like I'm nervous before every show with Songs and Slavery or a show I play. And I love that because I think nervousness can be channeled into such good energy. Yeah. It keeps you on your toes. That's really good. So I have always just prayed that I'd have that kind of job. And freshman year, sophomore, or second semester, I came across an article on the internet that exposed this issue of sex trafficking. And I just cried. And up until that point, I had no idea that it existed in Mm. the U.S. And I had a lot of friends who were passionate about it, but this sounds terrible, but it just never struck a chord. And so I came home that summer and talked to Lauren, who we went to high school together and have been best friends since high school, which is crazy to say now because we're 25 and not a lot of people stay close to their high school friends. But she had learned about trafficking at the same time. Hmm. So at that point, I was slowly stepping into doing music on my own. And I was like, hey, I'd love to use my music to fight this injustice. And And what kind of music were you doing? I mean, at that point, I was like in a band in college and I led worship and my family 
we grew up with my God family. There's five of them, five siblings, and they taught us everything that I know about music. Harmonies, bluegrass. We sing at all of our family gatherings. What? We're like the Von Trapp family. Oh, man. If, if my family did that, everybody <laughs> would cry because we're, we're – I think we would all be fine admitting that we're terrible singers. It's the best. I mean, yeah, but then it's it's still fun, though. It's like campfire. Oh, totally. But I've got so much admiration for that. It's so yeah. cool. So I've just always grown up singing but never, ever thought of it as a career. Was not interested in doing it. But so I came home, talked to Lauren, and I was like, hey, um, would love to use my music to fight this. And she was like, let's do a benefit concert. So mm. we were just two girls uh, going into our sophomore year, had no idea what that even looked like. But we drove home to a barn in our hometown, and she used to work there, and she was like, hey, can I get this barn for cheap? We want to do a Bennett concert. We don't know who we're bringing in. And they were like, sure. So over the course of that summer, we planned our first benefit concert, and what we learned was this issue of trafficking looks so different in every city. We'll never be the experts. So what if we use this concert to lift up a nonprofit that's already fighting it? Mm. So we did a concert and we ended up raising $4,000 and we were like, awesome, this is great. Let's do one more the next summer. And so after that, we pl- spent the whole year planning this concert, which is hilarious now because we do like n- nine concerts, 10 a year. Whoa. So to spend a whole year, I'm like, man, that's awesome. But <laughs> we brought in Steve Mokler from oh, Nashville. Nice. Yeah, and, Nashville native. Yeah, Nashville native. And ended up raising $8,000 for that same nonprofit. And how we got to Nashville was we met Tim Scher and Steve. And over the course of Songs Against Slavery becoming a nonprofit, we just felt that artists were our biggest cost for these shows. So mm. we knew, probably sophomore year of college, we knew we would end up here. Because Nashville's got such a music scene. Yes. That's so interesting. Yeah. That's cool. And it you is. never thought about L.A. or Austin or any of these no. other like minor music cities? To be completely honest, we came to Nashville nine times during college. And we Whoa. both, both Lauren and I just felt this weird, like... This feels like home, and we don't know why. Hmm. And so it was almost just like, I mean, you live here. The spirit of this place, it's just community and creatives. And I don't feel like it's so cutthroat. And everybody, from what we've seen, everyone's willing to jump on board and help. Yeah, there's a very there's very much a community experience yes. in the city. Yeah. And I don't know what creates it, because Portland is really creative, where I'm from before. Yeah. Um, it's really creative, got a very similar energy. It might be that so many people are creative in Portland. Mm-hmm. That it's not that there's more competition. It's just that there's less community yeah. because it's less tight-knit. But in Nashville, it's still like – it's really creative, but just within our bubble. There's a yes. whole lot of stuff that's like normal, Definitely. not creative stuff. Yeah. And so I think all of us creative people kind of band together. Yeah, which is cool. And yeah. I think something that we talked through before we moved here was – we want our organization to be one that celebrates and not competes. And mm. so coming down with that attitude, not that it's not hard. And I think it, when and with any creatives, it's easy to compare. But just remembering that, like, hey, let's stay in our lane. Like, there's a million and one nonprofits here. There's a lot of musicians. But we do something that's different than everybody else. So if we keep that in mind, it's awesome. And I yeah. think just coming down with that attitude has been really helpful for us. And just to remember that. We're not here to compete with others. That's good. Okay, so here's a question about that. And that's yeah. that's just kind of getting me thinking. I feel the same way about, you know, whatever it is that I do, whatever it is that I'm putting out in the world. I don't feel this sense of competition anymore. Yeah. Because I feel like what I'm doing is, I don't think I'm like an anomaly or like the craziest, most unique butterfly in the world. You do have I, some pretty awesome hair. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll take that. Um, <laughs> but I... Um, but I feel like the stuff that I'm putting out in the world, it's straight up just my vision at this mm-hmm. point. Like, I'm just really excited and it's like, cool, I'm just enacting the things I dream of. But in like, you know, past years where I'm doing things that are a little bit more similar to what other people are doing, yeah, that's when the competition mm-hmm. thing has kind of come up for me where I'm comparing myself to others. And so I think that the more that you put yourself into a niche, yeah. uh, the less that competition kind of worries you. Was there ever a time for you where you, where you feel like competition was a bigger issue for you? That's a great question. People ask us that a lot too with Songs Against Slavery, but I think my thing with nonprofits and what we do is if someone was already doing what we do, 
we would have not started it. Mm. And when people come up to me and like, we would love to start a nonprofit, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. If there's someone already doing that, join their team because yeah. it's a lot of work. And so within Songs Against Slavery, I wouldn't necessarily say that we feel like competition, but with in my own personal life with like music, that I think that has been more challenging mm. to just stay in my own lane. But it's been cool because dealing I know we'll talk about this later, but dealing with chronic pain and having a nonprofit and then trying to do music, it's like I can only give so much to all of these things. And so I feel like I have the blessing of it all meshes at the end of the day. Like I do music yeah. because of Songs Against Slavery. And when I keep that in focus, then I don't, it's easy to like not compare. That's awesome. But I also feel like it's just like limiting your time on social media and all these other things you can put up to help that. Yeah, it's self-care. Definitely. It's taking care of yourself. And I think that self-awareness is really key, too. Yes. As soon as you start to kind of feel that competition creep in, mm -hmm. if you're aware of it, then you can just be like, all right, well, I got to do the things that help me not yes. be competitive. I got to do something unique. I've got to not look at what other people are doing. Yeah. You know? I remember... Oh, man, I had this idea a long time ago, and I, I want somebody to steal this idea. But I want somebody to make, uh, like, a Chrome plugin or, like, an Internet browser plugin that deletes every number from the Internet. Like, what? Wouldn't it be cool if, like, you went on somebody's Instagram and you couldn't see any of the numbers on there? Oh, or if I you, see what you mean. So, yeah, okay, so okay, okay. I over-exaggerated yeah, that. Yeah, I was there's, like, that's a dead. Um, but, like, yeah, there's so many yeah. things where it'd be so cool to not mm -hmm. have any numbers. Um, yeah. But... I don't know. There's probably a reason why that didn't take off for me, but I hope somebody steals that because I would use it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think there's a part of that that's like my personality, which is why Laura and I work so good together. Sometimes I'm like, I wish I just had a nine to five job. I wish someone would just tell me what to do. And sometimes it's weird, but like I will compare with people who have stability in their job or who have all this other stuff mm -hmm. that I'm, that I necessarily starting off didn't want. But when you're a creative there's so many avenues you can go. It's overwhelming for me. I'm like a dreamer, mm, but sometimes I have a hard too. time. Like, how do I get there? And so Lauren, it's been cool to have a business partner who is opposite of me. That's good. And she's taught me so much about like, these are the steps we're going to get there. And we, you know, like small one step at a time instead of getting, getting overwhelmed by the whole big picture of it. That's really good. That reminds me of, and this is maybe going down a rabbit trail, but it's, <laughs> I, I like this conversation trails. a lot. Um, <laughs> I listen to this podcast called The Fizzle Show, and it's like a really fun business podcast okay. is essentially what it is. And I just like the people on it, you know, but um, they had this one thing where they talk about with their company, because a few of the guys on the team are just very, uh, they're very much dreamers. Mm -hmm. and, and I really resonate with that. So they're like, we should try this. We should do this. We should use this product or we should use this tool or we should start doing this thing. And oh, they gosh. just started making rules where they don't make any decisions until the end of each quarter. So huh. they treat it like they're a pretty non-traditional business, but they're like, they actually follow like the quarter schedule. And so they'll be like, oh, that's a great idea for something we should do or something that we should use. Uh, we'll wait three months or two months or one month until the end of the quarter. And then at that time, we'll reassess and we'll say, is what we're currently doing good? Is that idea better? Is hmm. that idea in the same direction as we want to go? Because a lot of times yeah. you'll get two months down the road and you'll be like, oh, I don't really care anymore. It was just yep. a shiny object I wanted to chase. Definitely. Um, and so I'm starting to do that. This yeah. year I got this. That's cool. I got this planner that breaks down into three-month segments. And okay. you only plan three months ahead and you work in uh, 12, 13-week patterns. And it's just, hmm. it's going to be really good. Like I'm already really enjoying it. That's that's like strategic dreaming though. Yeah. Like wise dreaming. Yeah. And I've got awesome. no idea how to do that. And so this is my first time like <laughs> trying it out. That's cool. But it's cool that you guys are getting to experience that. In yeah, the same absolutely. I mean, if it was up to me, I would, I hope that I never have to start another business again because mm. it's so much work, but it's been cool to also have this attitude of like, there's always something to learn. I feel like I've learned 20 jobs just doing one job in you know, not a lot of people can say that in a typical job that people tell you what to do. And so I feel like as a whole person, I've just grown so much, man, which is awesome. But I'm like, okay, but also let's never start something again. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. I love that though. That's, oh man, starting your own thing is so cool. It is cool. You work really hard at what you do. Like we were like scheduling stuff and you're like, cool. Like I work these hours and I'm like, <laughs> you're like freelance. You can like work wherever you want. And, but yeah. you're like, you're disciplined mm -hmm. and and you've accomplished a lot. And you said you do, what, 10 shows a year? Yeah. So this past year we did 
our goal was 10, we did nine. That's um, great. Yeah. In 2017, we are going to scale back and do seven and try to make the shows bigger. That's cool. So, yes, we definitely try to stick to a strict schedule because there's two of us. And also, I think it's just beneficial for me to treat this as a normal job because I'm also trying to do music and other stuff on the side. Well, that's what I was going to say. You, yeah. You are really keeping up with the artistic side as well. I just saw you're in the studio right now. Yeah. Working on what? Second EP. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. That's so exciting. It is exciting. How do you feel like you're balancing this? And you you mm-hmm. said this earlier, you're 25. Like, you're juggling these things. Like, tell me more about <laughs> what that's like, right? Like, it sounds like you've got yeah. boundaries. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I think in the past two years, I have learned so much about wholehearted living. Mm. Shout out to Brene Brown, my girl. <laughs> yes. Love her. But I think... Dealing with chronic pain every day, which we'll talk about later, but it has taught me that I have to have boundaries. And because I can't necessarily function at the same rate as maybe somebody else who's 25 who doesn't have chronic pain, I have learned in the past, this has just been the past year I've learned this, I have Mm. to be more strategic with my time. And a lot of that just comes from trying to go to bed and wake up at the same time. And I am not a morning person. Ask my roommates. I just... Pain is the worst in the morning, and so I get my coffee, go to my room, have some quiet time. But for me, just having a schedule, I'm very much like I love to have – I'm pretty OCD about some things like cleaning, and then sometimes in work I'm not as OCD, which Mm. is why Lauren and I work well together. But with personal life, I try to be pretty strict on a schedule and schedule things out or else I get really overwhelmed, and I used to be a yes person all the time people pleaser it was hard for me to say no but I got to this point where I just my body just shut down because I was doing so much and so this past I don't know 12 13 months I've learned a lot more about I I definitely have to say no to more things which is hard but the things that I'm saying yes to I can give more of my time and energy to that's so yeah I'm not perfect at it and sometimes I'm still like saying yes to way too many things but every day I try to get a little bit better. That's good. Yeah. And that's the key. Yes. That's definitely. really cool. So tell me about your music. Are you excited about it right oh, now? I'm so like, excited. What's, what, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> tell, I guess totally. tell me more. Yeah. So, well, like I said, doing music was not on my radar. And I was in a band all through college with just some guy friends. And so moving to Nashville was, I felt like it was time for me to go out on my own, but I mm. wasn't necessarily sure what that was going to look like. And, I've always been a personality that works best in twos, you know, and so stepping out on my own has been really hard and I can tend to be very indecisive. So to come to a community where everyone's doing music and it's very intimidating, but I just had to keep being like, okay, I'm staying in my lane. Like I'm doing music because of Songs Against Slavery. Like that's my platform. I always want a percentage of my EP or whatever to go back to that. And I always want to have songs that just breathe depth and meaning and hope into people. Mm. And so um, there was just so many things that happened this past year with music of like getting to play the Bluebird and Musicians Corner that in a million years I would have never thought would have happened, you know, first moving to Nashville. But I think what's been cool is with Songs Against Slavery, you just meet people and people like love the vision and then are willing to really just help out with me personally. And so I would still, I still feel like a chicken with my head cut off in the music scene. Like there's so much to know. You're supposed to show up nervous. Yes, definitely. Oh, I hate performing. I like, (laughs) oh, it's the worst. I get so nervous. Can't sleep the night before. But after I do it, I always feel like this is what I was meant to do. Mm. And I think a lot of that is just my goal is to be me on the stage and off the stage. Like I want to be the same person both ways and so the second EP I'm really excited about um, I met these two producers through Songs Against Slavery and one was in a band called Sarin he does folk music yeah I know Sarin yeah yeah, that's cool yeah he's awesome Nathan and then Jay he it was in pop music so this EP is like folk blues pop which I would have Great. never imagined but it's been so cool to see um, how these songs that I've written you know in your room by yourself I still don't even co-writing is new to me but how they've just breathed so much life into them in, in areas I would have never imagined. And I've just learned, like, to do anything, it takes a community. Mm. And 
because I work best in a team, I thought for a while that would be like me and someone else doing music, but it's more of just like me doing music and then having a team behind me who's like, what about this? What about this? What about this? Which has been so cool. Yeah. To be able to own that finally instead of being so indecisive. It's like I have a team working with me and we're working towards the same goal. That's incredible. Yeah. And it's really amazing that you are moving forward with both Songs Against Slavery mm-hmm. and music and you're not do you think you'll ever pick one or the other or do you uh, do you really see them kind of hand in hand? Yeah. I would say right now I see them hand in hand. Um me doing music, it's not part of my job. So my job with Songs Against Slavery is I book all of our artists, I do our venues. I'm that's so it's cool cuz I get to see the other side of the music industry. But doing music on my own Every time I get to go play a show or travel for my own personal music, I get to talk about Songs Against Slavery. Mm. So right now I feel like hand in hand. Um, I've always said down the road I would love to do more music and hand my job over to somebody else with Songs Against Slavery because I feel like they're just a lot more qualified people to do my job. But at this point, it's like my baby, you know, and Lauren would say the same thing where we just, this is where we're at. And I'm so, so, so thankful that I have a job that provides finances for me to be able on the side to do music which is awesome yeah so i right now i have the best of both worlds that's it's cool. a lot to balance and that's been hard i've had to let go of a lot of expectations of just like i may not be able to go on tour like everybody else because of songs against slavery so it's like i have to be more strategic with how i'm doing music but at the end of the day i'm very grateful to do both that's great and it seems that you're finding that balance Hopefully, (laughs) sometimes. And you're doing it despite, and you alluded to this before, chronic pain. Yeah. And tell me a little bit more about that. On previous episodes with Ruthie Mm -hmm. Lindsay, I'm thinking Timba Smits and... Bonnie Kate. And yeah, Timba Smits and Bonnie Kate. Mm -hmm. um, You know, a few people have shared about their journey through chronic pain, but... You know, tell us about your story. Gosh, uh, first of all, I love those episodes for me. And I got to meet Ruthie and Bonnie Kate a few months before the episodes came out. But there was one day that chronic pain was just so bad. And I was in my car on a way to a meeting and I turned on Ruthie's episode with you. And I bawled my eyes out because it was just before moving to Nashville, no one I knew was dealing with this, especially being 25. Like, and I felt so alone in knowing how to process it and knowing how, like, how do you move forward with your life when you have this thing that's constantly with you? But coming to Nashville, it's been so cool to meet people like Bonnie Kay and Ruthie who, despite their pain, are still doing incredible things. And it's just been such an encouragement to me. It's incredible. Yeah, they're awesome. But yeah, so I started having lower back pain my junior year of college. And up until that point, I like we talked about before we came on the air of just, I didn't really deal with anything that was extremely hard. So over the course of the year, my chronic back pain just got progressively worse to the point. Was there like a trigger for it? Like No. It so it just wasn't like you got one, in a car accident no. or anything. It just, it just happened. Yeah. Like All at once? One day I woke up, I was, it was like after a concert, I was standing with my friend for three hours and I woke up and had this really weird lower back pain. Wow. And I was like, what the heck? And I rode horses for 10 years and was very athletic, played sports. I ran, but there wasn't any injury that was like, oh, that must've been it. Yeah. So over the course of the year, just stopped running, started doing more yoga, but I was just about to go study abroad for a month in Europe. And my dad, like I said, is a doctor and I was like, Dad, this just doesn't feel right. Like, there's something going on. So we got an MRI, and it showed that I had a herniated disc, but I wasn't having a lot of, like, the leg symptoms that most classic herniated disc patients have. And a lot of people actually have herniated discs that don't have pain. Hmm. So it's like a very – it's a toss-up. So – The guy that I saw was just like, hey, go do PT, try everything you can do. I don't want to operate on you because you're 22 years old. So I got back from my trip in Europe and it was just, my back was a mess and to the point where I couldn't even like walk and it was scary and we, we just didn't know what was going on. So we saw another doctor who thought it was a muscle problem. So my dad and I flew to New York. This was the beginning of my senior year of college. And and during this whole time, you're doing Songs Against yes. Slavery. Wow. Yeah, and trying to graduate college. So, yeah, it was a lot. But And that's why it's so great to have a business partner. Um, she has been incredible that's in incredible. this whole process. But, 
Yeah, so we flew to New York, and we were seeing a doctor who specializes in muscle treatments. So sometimes your muscles can get so inflamed that they can't heal on their own. So what he does is he identifies what muscles those are in your body, and then he puts you under for like five minutes, and he punctures your muscle with like 100 needles, and then you wake up and go through electrostimulation. It's a really intense process. Wow. Yeah. And you can only have six do six muscles in a week because it's just so intense on your body. It's pretty traumatic. Mm. So went through that process. Towards the end of the week, I started having um, migraines. And I was like, what the heck? I've never had migraines in my life. And I had to fly home, though, to Michigan. Our week was up there. And the doctor called me, and he was like, I must have hit your spine. You're having spinal headaches. And I was like, what? And they're known as the worst headache of your life. And the only thing you can do if they don't catch it quick enough is lay flat for seven days. So I had one of those moments, though, like just bawling my eyes out on my couch, like my body hurts, my head hurts, like what the heck? And um, for me, like my faith has been something that's really gotten me through this. And I just had a moment of like, who am I to think that I'm entitled to live a pain-free life? And just Mm. for the first time saw pain through a different eyes. Um, doesn't mean it wasn't hard, but I think I just had a different lens on it. And so after that process, we saw another doctor and we ended up going through a back fusion. So it was a really intense process, was out for a month. And everyone kept saying, after your back fusion, a year and a half, you'll be pain free. And I was like, awesome. Okay, I can do this. Like there's an end in sight. Um, A year and a half goes by. We are moving to Nashville. We're starting Songs Against Slavery full-time as a job. And I'm still dealing with this intense chronic pain, the same symptoms. And I'm like, what the heck? So it was last this past summer where I finally just hit this point of um, really intense anxiety and depression. And I, I cried for four weeks straight. And, and my co-founder, Lauren, we would be driving to work and I would just be sitting in the passenger seat with tears running down my eyes. And she'd be like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, and you I, feel like you'd never experienced that before, the anxiety and depression no, before. No, um, I guess I'd probably, I've always struggled with anxiety my whole life, but not to the extent of like, I'm bawling my eyes out every day. Yeah. And so I finally went to counseling and I, what I realized was like, I didn't know how to process any of this and I didn't mm. let myself process the pain but I think this physical back pain constantly being with me also helped me to see that I was carrying a lot of heart pain and just pain in other areas I've always been a deep feeler and I didn't know how to like healthily work through it and so your body just gets to a place where it's like hey I'm done I'm on overload I can't do this anymore wow. so last summer as past summer went through a lot of counseling and And I think at that point, I'd kind of accepted my pain. Like, I accepted my physical pain of, like, this is going to be my life, and this is what I have to live with. And this past August, I was home, and my parents were asking me how everything was going. And I just broke down again, and I looked at my mom, and I said, I don't know how to do this. I I feel like I'm fighting ten times harder than the next person just to make it through a day. And I don't know if I can keep fighting this. And it was the first time that I spoke that out to my parents and myself where I'm like, whoa, this is a scary place to be. So we went back to doctors, got more MRIs, but they couldn't figure out what was going on. And that's also just like really frustrating. Yeah. And on top of that, still having to do all these other things, like a job and music and coming back to Nashville after that month at home. And so we found a back specialist just a few months ago who this is what he does is he looks for what's wrong in failed back surgeries he basically said the fusion's a little crooked and so my bone isn't growing properly around it and that's why I'm still having so much pain and so much leg pain and so to get to this place of we are looking at it to have to do another surgery and there's so much risk in that and there's no he's not guaranteeing an outcome so it's just funny because I found this out two weeks ago. That and was two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, and you messaged me about coming on the show like a week ago. And I've always been a person who it's like, I would love to say, I went through this and this is the outcome, but you caught me in this process of how do you process that? Like, mm. how do you process that it didn't go right? And your life just, I may live with this for the rest of my life. I'm not sure. You know, like all these questions of why. It's been very challenging, and I think 
I've had to just start asking, like remembering why not, you know, like who am I to say that I wouldn't be entitled to pain and suffering, Mm. but also what we talked about before we went on of we, everyone wants to live a life that radiates hope and light and love. But I think until you learn how to walk through your pain, you can't offer that to the world in a wholehearted way. And this whole journey has just taught me so much about loving myself and taking care of myself. And it's grown my faith deeper in, um, and just a lot of things that have happened, being able to relate to people that I would have never been able to relate to had I not gone through this. Yeah. And you mentioning that you're kind of in the middle of this yeah. process, you know, you, you <laughs> have it. There's not an outcome Mm-mm. yet. But the fact that you've kind of made some peace with your pain, I think is maybe what allows you to speak about this and to talk to other people about this and to, uh, and to also just not, not fall apart over this Yeah, because you, you don't need the outcome. Yeah, that's so true. And that's been a hard, that's been a hard one to grasp, but I think once you can grasp it of like your physical body, everyone, it's going to get worse and things are going to happen. But I think if you can continue to keep your heart soft, like that's the battle I fight every day. It's not fighting pain. It's fighting to keep my heart soft. Wow. That's that's, good. (laughs) Wow. It's that's, I think the hardest thing in life, you know, like we have so many things we could be angry about or bitter about and not to say that you shouldn't enter into those places sometimes, but how to move through that is. Well, and I think that's really important. I think that there's a lot of things that like, it's important to be angry about. Yeah. I was talking. Yeah, that's so So true. I went to counseling for the first time the other day. I love and, it. And I, I would recommend it to everyone. Uh, it was, I know. So I get in there and the counselor's like, cool, I know how you found me. Like you were referred to me, but I don't know why you decided to go to counseling. And I told the guy, I was like, you know, there's not any big triggers in my life right mm-hmm. now. I just have a lot of really healthy friends who love counseling and they talked me into it. And I'm like, I'm down. That's awesome. And so he loved that. But what I was, yeah. uh, but I'm he, down. Yeah, I'm down. But then he talked about at one point in the, in the session, he was talking about anger and he described anger as when something ought to be a different way. Huh. And I thought that was a really interesting idea yeah. because there's a lot of things in the world where mm-hmm. I look at this and I go, that is unjust. Yeah. This has got to be changed. This ought to be a different way. And I would imagine that's where songs against slavery Definitely. stems from is Definitely. human trafficking is so wrong. That's yeah. terrible. This has ought to be a different way. Yeah. And then you take action against it because mm-hmm. of that anger. And so anger is not inherently a bad, bad thing. thing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's how it manifests that can be dangerous. Yes. And I think that's something that for me, the first time I went to counseling, I bawled through the entire, the first session. And I, what I saw was I never let myself feel these things. I never let myself feel angry. I never let myself like be frustrated or be bitter. And those are all such valid feelings. And I Mm. think until you learn to have those, you probably will blow up. You know, like I just lost it because my body got to this place of like, I don't know how to hold these things in it anymore. But I also think like pain, everyone, oh gosh, one of our trafficking survivor friends, we were sitting in a meditation circle one morning at Thistle Farms and she said, everyone walks through their own gates of hell and pain is pain and my pain isn't greater than your pain, but it's really this great equalizer. And it's been so cool to learn how I will never relate to what it feels like to be trafficked or to go through sexual abuse, but I've also, I know what it feels like to carry pain in my body every single day. And so to some level, it teaches you that one, you can relate to others that you never thought you'd be able to relate to, but two, this like whole idea that like hope and grief can coincide at the same time. And I think that's been something in my life that I've seen of just, I can grieve the loss of a healthy back, but I can also still have hope that this, this is going to teach me so much about myself and about others and ultimately just be a, hopefully a better lover of people and to people. That is beautiful. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is... We just entered into a counseling session. Here oh, we this are. is great, yeah. Solving the world in Brendan I'm, Harvey sounds I'm going to pay you at the end of this, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Know. This is like, you're, oh man, you're changing my life right now. This is great. Um, okay, a few more questions I had about yeah. chronic pain. Oh gosh, um, yeah. What, 
is it like explaining that to people in your life? Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you just, if you were sitting in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. I would Oof. be like, oh, Grace is sitting in a wheelchair. I understand that it might be difficult for her to do something right now. Yeah. But it, there's no physical sign that mm-hmm. you're in pain. Yeah. And I can imagine that's difficult. Yeah. It's a blessing and a curse, I think. Um, I think it's a blessing because I never want to be identified as a girl with back pain. And mm. I think it's easy to let pain become your identity. Um, but I think, so my family, we just went to Disney World and my dad got me a scooter because I was having a hard time keeping up with my family, walking all those miles. And there were so many moments of sitting in that scooter where I felt awkward, mm. where I felt like, whoa, this is what it would feel like to have a disability. And then I would take a step back and be like, wait, I do have a disability. You know, like pain, chronic back pain is my disability. And it's been definitely for a while, people, there were people at like where even my co-working space didn't know that I dealt with it until like a year into us being there because I, I just didn't talk about it a lot other than with the people who lived with me or my family because I was so afraid, I think, to let them into it because it felt like a big burden for people to carry. But what I've learned through this process is the more that I talk about it with people and talk about like the good and the bad, it just creates a space for them to be like me too. Or, Mm. you know, and I think that's what's so beautiful getting to know Ruthie and Bonnie Kate. It's like they're a few years ahead of me in dealing with chronic pain. And for them to just create this beautiful space of let's talk about hard things and it's okay that it hurts. But this is the beauty we can see in it. And so it feels like, gosh, chronic pain sometimes feels like this. It's like a, you know, it's like toothaches. You can't ever get it to go away. Like that's what it feels like in my lower body all the mm-hmm. time. And so there are very few times or moments that I'm not thinking about it or forget about it. Um, but it has been interesting. I think Disney World was one of those examples of like, wow, you see the world through different eyes. You know, people in wheelchairs or people with disabilities or special needs, a lot of times they would, we look at them as like the half glass or the glass is half empty where they're not be able to do things but what I've learned through this process is pain has taught me so much more I feel like I have so much more appreciation for life and for the small things because now I know what it feels like to not have that perfect uh, body or that perfect like to not deal with pain every day and so I think there's so much to learn through it but I it's a daily battle like I have to let myself choose to be joyful in it and that's hard some days I don't like some days I'd rather just lay on the couch and cry and just be frustrated and I also think that some days it's okay to do that um to take a day off and just be yeah but I don't know if that answered your question or not I I don't even care (laughs) I I don't know if you did or not I just like what you said (laughs) no no that's good that's really good how has your chronic pain impacted your music you're a musician before your pain yeah. You're a musician today, mm-hmm. and uh, and probably there's more doubts and insecurities yeah. today after going to all these doctors and still not knowing. Yeah. What, how does that affect your art? Wow, that's a great question. It's taught me to be honest. It's taught me, so I have a song on the EP that's coming out, uh, and the chorus is, Dear Heart, It Takes Courage to Not Always Be Okay. And the bridge line is, I can't climb up valleys or I can't climb up mountains until this valley of dry bones is walked through. And I think it's just, there's, it's taught me so much more about depth and to be honest in the process of it instead of having the story of like, I went through this and I came out this way, but how do I tell a story of my life in the in-between? There's so much tension. Mm. I love you know, in music, there's so much tension in music. Like, that's how instruments play, is the tension. And so I think there's so much tension in life. You know, I think our generation, we tend to see things more gray than black and white. And that's what I've also learned through pain is not everything's black and white. Yeah. Um, but how do I communicate that in my music? And how do I be honest with exactly where I'm at and not apologize for it? I think so many times with pain... I felt a lot of shame. Like, I feel shame asking someone to help me or can you lift this up for me? Or especially when it was, like, right after surgery, I couldn't do a lot of stuff. And my instant reaction, my knee-jerk reaction was shame. And, you know, and Brene Brown talks about this a lot. But how to move through that to 
accepting it and not feeling shameful to ask for help or it's just been an interesting journey but I think with music this EP for me has been let's be honest in the in-between and let's be honest in the process of it it's beautiful (laughs) wow I hope so I hope that I mean I'm super excited about it I have goosebumps right now so so we've got that going for it um (laughs) Should we transition to the part of the show where I ask yes. some of my favorite questions? Wow. Okay. Okay. Question number one. How would you describe the kind of person that you most admire in the world? I would probably say the people who are working in the trenches with others and who do it because they love it and may never get recognition for it. You know, and I think it's easy to be a hero when everybody's watching, but it's harder to be a hero when no one's watching. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that I really respect. That's taught me a lot, even within trafficking, like these nonprofits, they're in day in, day out with these survivors. And that is hard work. And to not complain and to not need recognition for that work, I think that's just character and that's integrity. And so I would say people who just have integrity in what they do and don't expect any recognition for it. That's good. If there's one thing I've learned from Bob Goff, who's on the Love show Bob Goff. two I weeks to ago, that. he's, yeah, he's <laughs> great. Bob is a very, very, very humble guy. Mm-hmm. And he does all kinds of stuff that he'll never talk yes. about. And I really tried to get him to talk about some stuff that he's done that I know he's done. Yeah. Uh, that's impacted the world in beautiful and amazing ways. And he just like he's like I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, and that's a cool thing. And so I have a lot of admiration for the people in the yeah. world who just put in the work because that's what they were made to do. Yeah, and I th- that's because they put in the work because that's what we're all made to do in yeah. a lot of ways. Um, and and they don't need the recognition. And so yeah. I'm just like, what it's, are some ways that I can do that in a really yeah. practical way? I think you're doing it with this podcast. It's my favorite. Well, I mean, I get some recognition for it, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, but it's also, I think, I think you, the questions that you ask people, it creates that space for, you know, a lot of people like to talk about themselves, but I think the way that you have taken a turn on this podcast of talking through the hard things and how did you see good in that is so powerful in today's today's world. I love it. Well, thank you. You're welcome. And you're a great interviewist. I know we're really <laughs> sidetracking, but sometimes you listen to podcasts and I'm like, oh, I feel awkward because it didn't, it wasn't smooth. But every time I listen to your podcast, I'm like, yeah, Brandon, that was awesome. <laughs> I'm glad you feel that way because I'm just having a good time and I'm oh, I love trying it. not to think about it too much. It's so good. I'm just, I, I get so nervous every time beforehand. And then yeah. when I'm in the conversation, then I'm just excited that I'm having the conversation. That's so good. So I was thinking about this before the show. I always like give guests a little bit of backstory on how I started the show and everything for, for those who don't know. And Grace has been listening for a while and she's always been so (laughs) encouraging, but I was telling you the show in a lot of ways just started as me having conversations with people that I admired and wanted to learn from. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, that's what it will probably always be. Yeah. But, uh, and of course it's found a little bit more, a little bit more intentionality, but yeah, I'm just having a fun time. It's a great podcast. It's one of my favorites. Thank you. What are you consuming that you love right now? What am I consuming music-wise? This is going to sound ridiculous. I don't even know if I should say this, but I feel like I just discovered Beyonce for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) So So I, like last year, I discovered Justin Timberlake, the 2020 experience. Oh my gosh. And I was obsessed with it. And this year, Beyonce, her title album, Beyonce. Man, that's my jam. But um, reading, someone gave me, sent me in the mail, a Time Magazine special edition on the life of Mother Teresa. Mm. And it has changed my life. And she was someone who we just talked, like what we just talked about. She released, actually people released her journals after she died. And she talks about in there for the last 50 years of her life, you know, she's Catholic she couldn't feel God's presence. And she wrestled with a dark night of the soul. She wrestled with anxiety and depression for the last 50 years of her life. And that never once stopped her from serving every single day. And the way that she just saw every single human as equal, whether they were dying on the streets of Kolkata or, you know, the Pope, she just treated everyone the same. And I think that's just been so powerful for me to read. And it's something that I hope that I can work on every single day with people. It's just like, 
you know, people don't remember you for what you do. They remember you for what you feel. And I, I'm just such a passionate believer of taking the time, trying to take the time in today's busy world to create that space for people. And she has, she's just been a really cool inspiration. That's beautiful. And Everyone that should read it. That so it's Time Magazine. It's called The Life of Mother Teresa. Wow. It's awesome. I, I should have brought wait. it. I'm so excited. <laughs> when was the last time that you changed your mind? Mm. And this question's been, this is a new question, <clears throat> a but I've been question. thinking a lot about it because I think that in the political climate that we're in and yeah. just the way that the world is right now, it feels like people on both sides of all kinds of issues, not just political issues, but all kinds of issues are growing further and further away. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you listen to people on the other side of things, you can kind of understand them better and you can yeah. see that people aren't completely, uh, there's exceptions to every rule, but for the most part, people aren't being completely rational. They're yeah. coming from the place of their story and, and that affects the way that they're seeing things. And when you can understand their story, sometimes you change your mind on how you feel about yes. things. And so I've been wrestling with how I can do that more hmm. and you know, this podcast is filled with people I admire. And so I'm asking how these people I admire might be doing that. Yeah. I don't know if I could like think of specifics. I think I have, especially in the last year, not everything is just as black and like we talked about this, it's not black and white and there's so much more gray. And I even talk about this on my EP, but just how do I learn how to live in the gray? And I may not have a set opinion on all these different things that the world wants me to have an opinion on. And one, I've just never been a very opinionated person, but two, I think learning it's okay to have an opinion Hmm. and it's okay to share that opinion and not just because someone doesn't agree with me doesn't mean they don't like me or doesn't mean they don't respect me. And so I think, um, a lot of that has just been surrounding myself with people who may not think the way that I think and asking them questions of like, how did you get there? And I think living in the gray is also giving yourself space and time to ask the hard questions and be open to hearing their response. And so I think yeah. that's something I've learned a lot in trying to do this year of, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know. A lot of times at this point, it's hard to know what's right and wrong and what's good or bad because it just seems so messy. So just taking the time to ask other people of how did they get there and learning it's okay that I might not have a set answer right now. Do you feel like you grew up Thinking that everything was black and white? Yes, definitely. I think I also think that I had this perception that I was in control of a lot of stuff in this year, especially learning through counseling. The only thing I'm in control of is my heart and Mm. I, that's it. And I cannot control how people react to me or if they agree or not agree. Um, But I can control, you know, how I process pain, what I let into my heart. And that's been really freeing, I think, just to know that it's okay if someone doesn't like me. Former people pleaser right here, <laughs> learning it's okay. Like not everyone's going to agree with me or view the world that I, the way that I do. Um, and that's totally okay. Beautiful. My final question. Okay, hit me. Is based on the ways you've chosen to step out and live your life differently. The ways that you've responded to your pain, the ways that you've created something that has a huge impact on people. What's one thing you'd encourage someone else to do in their own life? If they're maybe struggling with pain themselves or if they want to create something despite the hardships in their life. What's a practical piece of advice? To not be afraid to step into pain and to do the hard work of becoming a more, more wholehearted person. I think... A lot of times we're such, we're a culture that wants to numb, we're a culture that wants to, I mean, I'm guilty of it, social media, TV, you know, I have a ton of numbing tactics, but there's also something so beautiful that you learn about yourself when you're, when you step into your pain and really deal with it, whether that's heart pain, spiritual pain, physical pain. Um, I don't think the world needs any more like bitterness and complaining. It needs more secure people who are willing to go there in themselves because I think like I said before, before I can be hope and light for other people, I have to know how to be that for myself and mm. to move through pain. And um, it's just, I think it's a beautiful gift. As hard as having chronic pain is, there are days where I'm like, wow, someone actually asked me the other day, after all the things that you've seen happen with having back pain, would you ever go back and not have it? 
And I couldn't answer the question because wow. on my worst day, I would say, oh, my gosh, I just want to be pain-free. And still, like, I hope that and I pray for that. But on my best day, I can sit across the table from others and relate to them in ways I would have never been able to. So I think just don't be afraid to step into your pain. Beautiful, Grace. That was, uh, I have goosebumps. <laughs> They've been here this whole time and they're not going away. Oh, gosh. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. If people want to follow along with your story, if they want to learn more about Songs Against Slavery, and if they want to hear your music, like, where should they go? Um, well, we have social media for Songs Against Slavery. It's just at Songs Against Slavery. And mine is just at Grace underscore Tyson, but it looks like Thiessen. So <laughs> you can link it. It's all good. Yeah, it'll be on your little podcast thing. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Amazing. Well, seriously, Grace, I'm so happy we got to do uh, this. It was a blast. This was amazing. And this was, I think I told you this, but when you sent me that Twitter direct message, I it was a rough day. I was having a hard pain day. And to get that, I was like, oh my gosh, dream come true. Your, uh, podcast hit, your podcast got me through 2016. So thank you. Uh, I'm honored. I'm so excited to share this with the world and it's going to be great and also did you know that this wednesday january 11th is national human trafficking yes, awareness day it is sammy told me that this morning and i was yes. like that is the perfect time to, to absolutely release this, so. yeah and we're actually partnering with john crown richmond uh, with songs against slavery yeah. guest, so the most brilliant along. guy that i he is the best man love him ah this is just so good thank you so much grace thank you brandon Thank you so much to each and every one of you who tuned into the podcast this week. If you liked this episode and you haven't done so yet, I'd be honored if you left a review on iTunes. It's easy. Just search for Sounds Good on iTunes or your podcast app then tap write a review. It really helps people find the show and I read every single one. If you want a little bit more positivity in your life, you want some good news for a change, I actually send out this weekly newsletter called The Good Newsletter. It goes out every single Tuesday, and it's five curated good news stories that remind us that the world is full of goodness if we just take the time to notice it. You can join the thousands of people who have already subscribed at goodnewsletter.org. This week and every week, you can find and share the episode page for this week's episode of Sounds Good at soundsgoodpodcast.com. This show, Sounds Good with Brandon Harvey, is part of the Gradient Podcast Network and is created in collaboration between Gradient and I. And with all of that, that's a wrap for this week's podcast. I'll see you around the internet and I'll talk to you next week when we get the opportunity to learn from another inspiring person. Sound good?